for when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, you might be able to find some that would even dare to die. But God, everybody say, but God. See, he's different than everybody else. But God commends his love. He demonstrates, he shows his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I want to preach to you today, and you just apply this to yourself. I want to preach to you today. I'll preach to me, and then and you just turn it around on you, okay? I deserve it. I deserve it. I want you to look at somebody around you. This is going to be, maybe for some folks, a very transparent moment, especially in the culture that we live in right now. But you turn around to somebody, and you tell them, the preacher said, come on. Tell them, say the preacher said, I deserve it. The Lord's going to help us with his word today. Lift your hands to heaven. Do you feel the presence of God in here? Oh, Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for every precious soul that's under the sound of my voice right now. God, you have collected them and gathered them here today that they might hear what you have to say. Now, God, remove every obstacle, every obstacle from this platform, every obstacle in our hearts and in these pews. And, Lord, let your word, Jesus, go forth. Let it not come back void, but let it speak to the very intent and the the specific thing of every heart. And we give you praise, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Clap your hands to the Lord, and let's give him praise today. Oh, I need somebody that knows how to feel the Holy Ghost. Would you testify with your praise that God's in this place? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. I want you to imagine with me just for a couple minutes. I want you to imagine a world where everyone got what they really Deserved. I mean, really. That everyone received, according to their actions, justice. Now, I got to tell you, that's a scarier world to me. Because I have not always been a pastor. I've been a snot-nosed, red-headed kid. I've been a rebellious teenager. Come on, Joe, say amen. Been there, right? I've been an adult that thought he knew better than what he knew better. So when I think about that idea of a world where everybody gets everything they deserve. Now, some of you that are bitter and you've got, you know, vengeful spirit inside of you, you're thinking, yeah, I want that world right there. Yeah, somebody give me that world. But you don't want that world on you. What, what if you were paid for the time that you really worked? 
Now, I, I mean, I just went to the restroom. You weren't working. What if the world gave you justice and where everybody got what they really deserved? What if, what if, Dakota, you were fine every time that your speedometer went over the posted speed limit? I hurt you right there. I felt it in the spirit. In fact, I felt a lot of pain all over this place right now. What if, though? What if, honestly, what if there was somehow, now they can't, right? At least yet. But what if they could tell? They could tell every time and every time, one minute, that's a ticket. There's another ticket. There's another ticket. I'm going to tell you right now, I would have got 20 tickets on the way here. I'm just confessing. I'm not repenting yet, but I am confessing. What if every time you were angry without cause, you received judgment? What if every time you gossiped, you talked about somebody, you said, and here's how you say, I don't know if I've ever done that. If you started out by saying, you didn't hear this from me. Or if you start out by saying, this, is just, this goes no further. This is just between you and I. Obviously, it's already gone farther what if every word that came out of your mouth received justice, good or bad? What if, if that, none of that, if none of that landed on you, how about this? This will land on you. What if you received a whooping every time you needed it? Now, listen, I know we're in a day where the folks don't whoop their children, but I did not grow up in said day. I grew up in a day where my dad, I'm still dealing with it. Well, he whooped me. My mama whooped me. Don't you let that sweet demeanor, 80-year-old woman, fool you. She whooped me. Now, she would tell you now, memory has taken from her the years, I believe. She would tell you now that I was a wonderful child, but I remember the whippings. Got whooped. Remember there was a day... Uh, uh, back then, this was back, this church wasn't here. My grandfather passed through the church, and, uh, and they lived in a house that was on the, basically from this, the back of this uh, uh, stage onto the back of the building. There was a house here, and that's where my grandma and grandpa lived. It was the parsonage. And of course, I spent a lot of time there because I spent night with, with grandma and grandpa. And we had an evangelist at the church. Now, his name was Brother Elkins. That's all I can remember about him. And he had a kid that was just my age. My cousin and me, we were staying all night with grandma. And uh, we decided it was a great deal. It would be a good idea if we would go out in this field. Now, if you look at this field behind our community center, right now there's lush green grass. It's beautiful. It's been landscaped. Somebody took care of it. But back then, it was a swampy marsh. And at this particular time of the year, it was dried out and full of very dry weeds and brush. Brush almost as high as about an 11-year-old. And so we thought it would be a great idea. We were out in there, and we would, we would smash down all those weeds and all that brush, and we made us a little clubhouse. Now, we, we thought every clubhouse needs a fireplace. And so we decided, let's gather some materials. So we went to the wood pile. And we got two by fours. I know, but 11. Give me a break, all right? We got two by fours, and we made us a fireplace. Now, a fireplace is good if you imagine it, but it's even better if it's got real fire in it. And we just happened to have a light. I don't know if we had a light or something. We had access to fire. And so we decided in our little play area there, in our little imagination, we were going to, we set the fire in the fireplace, and then we went out to hunt 
to get stuff to cook on the fire. And so about two minutes into our hunt, we looked back, and to the 11-year-old mind, it seemed to me that the entire field was on fire. You probably saw that coming. So we did what an 11-year-old would do. We ran into the church and got Dixie cups one by one, and we made a fire brigade. And when we attempted to take Dixie cups full of water out of the drinking fountain to put out this fire that was absolutely consuming the entire space that we were in, luckily, Grandpa saw it and came and said, what in the world are you boys doing? And he sent us into the house. Now, I tell you all that to say this. When that evangelist, found out his kid almost burned down the church. Now, this is back in the day. They didn't stay in hotels then. They stayed with the pastor. And so Grandpa had sat us down in the living room, and we had to sit there and listen as that evangelist, I'm gonna, maybe I need to take this off because I even said his name. He wore that kid out. Does anybody know what I mean when I say that? He wore him out. I mean, every time we were like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm going to tell you why. I was so frantic about listening to this poor boy getting a spanking because I knew my marine of a dad. Once he found out what I heard, I would feel. But I was saved. You know how I got saved? Anybody want to know how I got saved? My grandma walked in that room. And in the midst of the whooping, she stroked my head. Tears going down my face. And she said, don't worry, honey. I won't tell your dad. And he is a witness. It was years later that he found out I almost burnt down the church. You see, I deserved it. But I didn't get it. Because somebody had grace. We reserve the scales of justice for the really bad folks, don't we? For, for, for the folks that really, you know, there's some kind of magic threshold over there where this sin is, it's egregious enough that it deserves something to be done for it. But what if justice was perfect? What if everybody got what they deserve? I'm gonna tell you what happened. We'd all be in trouble. Somebody say, I would be in trouble. I deserve it. The truth is, on our own, we are in trouble. We do have a problem. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed on upon all. Somebody say all. All men, for all have sinned. James would tell us this. He said, you know what? Whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. James said, you can live a near perfect life. You can be a good person. You can be a good kid. You can be a good adult, a good husband, a good wife, a, a, a good citizen, yet make one mistake and, and transgress God's word one way. And the Bible says you are guilty of all of God's law. Romans 5 tells us, as for one man's disobedience, 
many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now I want you to look for a minute at that word shall. That word shall does not refer, refers to the many. It does not refer to the one. It's not something that has to happen or is yet to happen. That obedience of that one man, Jesus Christ, has already happened. I said it's already happened. If you were wondering what it took to cover a multitude of sin for humanity, you look no further than Jesus Christ. His obedience is already done. And he has already got the job taken care of. Crucifixion was one of the most horrible, if not the most horrible, suffering forms of death. Although his outward wounds were extreme, his back, And his side was reduced to ribbons, muscles, nerves, even bones most likely laid bare to the elements from the beating that he took with a cat of nine tails with sharp metal and pottery embedded in those nine leather straps. It wasn't the outward wounds that killed Jesus. A crucified man didn't die from the wounds on the outside. A crucified man died from the inside out. Outstretched arms nailed into a position higher than his shoulders. His chest cavity would fill with fluid, slowly but surely suffocating the condemned. And in the course of hours, finally, unable to push himself up any longer to get a breath, he would succumb to death. It was evidence with Jesus in the scripture that told us that when the Roman soldier put his spear through his side, that out of him flowed not just blood, but water from every Everything collecting within his core. It flowed from him. The worst kind of death. If I was God, I would have made another way. I'm just telling you right now. If I was Jesus, I would have figured something else out. Why? Why would he go through all of that? Why would he build and and concoct such an elaborate plan? I'm going to tell you why. Now, it's not what you're thinking. I know where you think I'm going. But Paul told us why he did all this. That we should be saved from wrath through him. He said we're saved. Somebody say saved. Saved. From wrath. Wrath. See, Here's what I want you to understand today before we take the Lord's Supper. You can never understand the can never understand the value of his death and the value of the cross. You can never embrace or even get close to comprehending the value of the blood of Jesus until you reckon yourself with the, his wrath. You forget, we see all these scriptures that talk about the love of God. Why would God love us so much? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a time coming where the wrath of God will be executed upon on humanity. I know you don't hear a lot of preaching about that, but you got to understand that's the reason for the cross and that's the reason for the sacrifice because the wages of sin are death and Jesus had to deal with that. He loved you so much that he said, I'm not going to submit you to a law, my own law, that I will not change. What I'm going to do is I'm going to suffer the punishment and I'm going to pay the price so that you can have life when you don't deserve Deserve it. You can't understand how valuable the cross is if you don't understand his wrath. 
You've got to, understand, you, you've got to realize that, that John said, He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life. Yes. But he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Colossians tells us that the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That Revelation tells us there's coming a day on this earth where men will say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. I'm trying to tell you today that God's hatred for sin is only surpassed by his great love for you. For the wages of sin is death, yes, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, God's intent is not for you to suffer his wrath. He's not appointed us to wrath, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is you do deserve it. You deserve judgment. You deserve wrath simply because you are a sinful human being. But the cross happened and it changed everything. It changed my judgment. It changed my outcome. It changed your anybody that it changed your life. Paul showed us in spite of a truth that we deserve wrath. He showed us another great truth in verse 20. He said that where sin abounded, grace, I love this one, did much more about. You know what Paul said? Paul said sin's going to get worse. I mean, they're going to figure out new ways to do it. Sin is going to grow and evil is going to grow. But he said, here's one thing you can count on. Every time hell takes a step forward, you can, you can just put it in the bank. Heaven's going to be two steps ahead of it. It doesn't matter how great sin gets in this world. Let me just bring it on home right here. It doesn't matter how great sin gets in your life. There is enough grace to cover the multitude of sin that is in anybody. I'm here to give somebody some good news. I know you deserve it, but God said this. I'm going to take the punishment. I'm going to take it. I'm going to pay for it with my own blood. And what you deserve, you will not get. And you will get what you do not deserve. Sin abounded. Sin would get worse. But every time this degree of sin got better, it was met with more than enough grace. So Paul could write much more than being now justified by his blood. If I say justified justified we shall be saved from wrath through him that word justified just means made righteous it's like it's like i hate to use this word but magic it doesn't change any of the circumstances brother paul i still a snot-nosed red-headed kid i still full of sin still full of bad choices still full of mistakes and failures. But God said, I see all that, but I'm going to declare you righteous if you'll obey my gospel. 
I'm here to tell some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got some bad stuff behind you. You've got some wonderful, wonderful grace in your life that has covered multitudes of mistakes that are in your past. Some of you, you don't want to even talk about what happened before you went down in Jesus' name. But the powerful thing is this. When you turned your face to God and when you went down in the name of Jesus, everything that you ever did was wiped away. How does that happen? You become justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care what kind of thug you are. Bart, I'm pretty sure you got some bad stuff behind you, buddy. You care to share? No. It's like, it's like God's got this list. And all he was before. All you're embarrassed about. All you don't want nobody to know anything about. But, but God looked at you when you were baptized, Barney. Listen to me. When you were baptized, God said, it's just like you never even did it. Anybody get what I just said? I mean, do you understand how powerful that? I don't care what's been done. God said, when you repent and you're baptized, it's just like it was never, ever there. Am I right, Sister Rose? Just like it was never, ever there. How could that happen? How could that be? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. No other power on this earth can do for you what the cross of Calvary can do for you. Thank God. No wonder we sang it. Thank God for his blood. Thank God for his blood. Is anybody thankful? Every time I came up with a new way to fail, there was enough grace to pick me up and to catch me. Jesus said, because I took the punishment, you deserve the grace. I got a letter today. It's my custom on Sunday morning. I go by the mailbox and I pick up the mail. And in it was a letter addressed to Brother Melder. And let me just say, it was, it was clear it was from a prison. I'll just put it that way. It's from, from a prison. And so I Immediately, I felt just kind of a, anybody ever feel like the Lord nudged you? you know, the Lord nudged me and said, you need to look into that. So I looked into it. The story of a, of a man who we'll just call, let's call him Joe. Okay? Call him Joe. And without going into the sore details, let me just tell you, he made decisions that led to a long term of his life spent and still spent, from what I understand, locked up in prison. Can you imagine? I mean, you talk about speeding tickets. What do you got to do to get locked up in prison? How many of you have spent at least one night? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. But this man's locked up for a long time. There's some bad choices in his past. What, what happens to a guy like that? How's a guy like that? Can God find somebody like that? Locked up? I mean, the world can't find him. He's locked up. But God takes a, he takes a Holy Ghost filled point of light called Bruce Melder. And he walks into a jail. 
where the devil thinks he's got him blocked off and isolated. And he tells him about the cross and he tells him about the blood of Jesus and he tells him about the power of the Holy Ghost. And God, it was, he's what, been 20 years now, born again of the water and the spirit. It didn't happen at a church in an altar. It happened where he was supposed to be locked up and locked away. And I, I'm just trying to tell you, if God can walk into a prison and he can find you, then grace can find you anywhere. You may feel like you're in a prison locked up and isolated. God couldn't find me if I was right under his nose. The devil is a liar. Grace, grace can find you wherever you're at. Come on, preach to somebody right next to you and say, God, grace can find you. God's grace can find you. You're not lost to him. You're not somewhere where he can't see you. God sees you. His grace abounds above your sin. Now, one of my favorite parts of our text is this. The Bible says, well, when we were yet without strength, these three words, I love this. In due time, Christ died. Now, I realize theologically that means that Christ came exactly at the right time which prophetically he needed to. And he came to fulfill prophecy. I know, but, but the, the, the context is still the same. The, the, the message in it is still the same. Jesus came exactly at the right time. Yeah, he did. In order to fulfill prophecy, he, he, he came upon the scene at just the right time from a religious and economic and emotional and a world standpoint and a worldview standpoint, he came in due time. But here's what I find amazing. I find it amazing that the cross, his blood, is still 2,000 years later showing up just at the right time. Just when the head was going underwater, just when you were about to throw in the towel, just when you said, I'll go to one more service, just when you said, I'll do it one more time. I'm here to tell you, he's a just in time God. He shows up. Is there anybody? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I was ready to quit. I was ready to turn around. I was ready to throw in the towel. But just in time, his blood, his power, it rushed in and saved me. That's why we love that old song, those of us that know it. I was sinking deep in sin. They didn't let me sing last night, Jerry. Far from the peaceful shore. Staying within. Come on, sing. Sinking to rise. No more. Oh, here's a good part. But the master of the sea. What? Come on, old folks, sing it for him. From the waters lifted me. Now safe and uh, what happened to us? Love lifted us. Grace found us when we were going under. Love. 
Love overcome the wrath that I was destined for. Love overcame the destiny that I was headed for. You've got to know how much God loves you. He loves you enough to pay the price for you to miss everything that you really deserve. God commended his love toward us. He shows and has clearly proven his own love for us. So if you're sitting here today and you're at the end of yourself, you're at the end of your rope, you insert your metaphor here. You're at the end of all your solutions. You're at the end of all your excuses. Then might I suggest that you reach out for the hand of grace that is reaching down for you in this very service right here. Might I suggest that you not waste another moment in trying to try something else, in trying to come up with some other way. Why don't you just go ahead and submit yourself to the answer to the sin problem in your life? It is not where you are looking. It's not in those relationships. It's not in those places. It's not with that string of friends. It is right here in the presence and the power of God. You're going to find out that everything that you've been looking for, it's not in the places that you've been looking. It's all found in the cross. It's all found in the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, stand with me right now. Romans 5 and 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to remember, celebrate, and maybe even for someone, receive the grace of God. What a great time to spend some time at an altar and pray. I wonder if there's somebody, you're at your end, but God says that's a great place for me to begin my beginning. Come on, would you just make your way to an altar right now? Anybody, maybe said, I'm just going to come to, but Pastor, I've had so much grace in my life. I just got to come to the front and celebrate what God has. Come on, everybody. Everybody, come on. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Here's where I would encourage you. Encourage you to just to come and to pray just for a minute. Would you do that? All over this building, all over this place. I'm, I'm looking around. I don't see anybody that does not need the grace of God, that does not need the mercy of God. I don't see anybody, anybody here today that does not need to bask in his presence and his glory and prepare themselves to remember his great sacrifice, to remember the shedding of his blood. Come on, would you be, step forward? Would you please, those of you that are in the back of the altar area, would you please step Step forward. There are others coming. We got a great crowd here. Come on. Come on. Come as close as you can. Grace. Grace. Come on. Lift your hands and sing it. That's it. Reach out to it. Reach out to the hands of grace coming down here, right? God's grace, grace that is greater than all. 
Come on, sing it to him, Grace. Come on, that's it. You're not at the end. You're not at the end. You're at your beginning. You're at your beginning. Come on, God's love is going to overwhelm you in this altar right now. Turn your face to Him. He's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting for this moment. For you to turn to Him. Reach for Him. Come on, lift your hands. Let the love of God just saturate this house right now.